0: Okay, why don't you stand? Let's read the word together, and then we'll pray and have you. So we're in Hebrews 7 tonight, and there's going to be probably in the next three studies through this chapter, some obvious overlap, but we'll read verses 1 through 10. Hebrews 7, 1 through 10. For this Melchizedek, Melchizedek, King of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning From the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, Those who are of the sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, But there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Let's pray. So, Lord, here we are. We're in chapter 7, and you know we've been talking a lot about this guy, Melchizedek. And we, Lord, want to, again, come to your word reverently, thankfully. Open, Lord to hearing the word and then, Lord, thinking through. And God, we we pray tonight your Holy Spirit can minister truth to our hearts, that we might be, Lord, those that leave here having heard from you, been blessed by you. And then, Lord, it's changing us so that we can be used by you and be just a, a, a vessel of honor fit for your use. So, Lord, please bless the word tonight, I pray. Bind the evil one and grant us a solid Great time in the word, in dialogue, and in prayer now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we're coming out of chapter 7. There's been a kind of a leading up to this all the way along. And and, uh, the writer of Hebrews said for... for, uh, Aaron didn't take this honor to himself to become high priest, but he was called by God. Jesus, excuse me, didn't take that honor to himself. But he who said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, you are priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So that's in chapter 5. So there's been this leading. In verse 1 of chapter 6. He says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. You remember that he said, I want to tell you about Melchizedek, but I can't tell you more because you've become dull of hearing. Well, now he's going to tell us more. So he said to them, the the Hebrews, hey, we're confident of better things concerning you, concerning salvation, things that accompany salvation. So I, I think the writer of Hebrews is going on now to tell them some things that he wants to tell them. And so I think that, that uh, as we get into this passage, and by the way, as we get into it, uh, those of us who are teaching do have different views about who Melchizedek is or was. And what we talked about on Saturday is the fact that it really doesn't matter because it's not who Melchizedek is, it's who Jesus is. Uh, in other words, this is pointing to our great high priest Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to glean from. That's what we want to learn from. And I even sent an email out as I was studying. It's so fantastic what we have here in the book of Hebrews pointing us to who we have in the person of Jesus Christ. So this little uh, quote from A.W. Tozer struck me. It says this. Might not the inadequacy of much of our spiritual experience be traced back to our habit of skipping through the corridors of the kingdom like children through the marketplace, chattering about everything, but pausing to learn the true value of nothing. Can I say that again to you? It's A.W. Tozer. Might, as he says, leaving these discussions, the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to completeness. So A.W. Tozer said, might not the inadequacy of our spiritual experience be traced back to our habit of skipping through the corridors of the kingdom like children through the marketplace, chattering about everything, but pausing to learn the true value of nothing. I hope we don't do that in the word. Amen. I hope that as we go through it, we're not just chattering about it, but we're really stopping to consider some things. And as I was studying and looking through this whole passage, I was lifted in my heart just in the amazing things that we have in this person of Jesus Christ, our Savior, as he's now talked about in context with Melchizedek. Here's what I wrote. Jesus is the measure and the means of really mastering what really matters. Jesus is the measure and the means of really mastering all that really matters. In other words, if I can come to know Jesus better, I'm gonna be mastering reality a lot more than any other way that I can live my life. The longer I live as a Christian in this world, the greater my longing is for Jesus to consume my life and for him to be my everything. So if there's one thing in the book of Hebrews that surfaces, it's the supremacy and glory of Jesus Christ, but not just Hebrews throughout the whole of the Bible. So Hebrews 3.1, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession who is Christ Jesus. Hebrews four verse fourteen. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we tempted as we are yet without sin. Then he says, verse sixteen of chapter four, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. So he's leading up to this whole chapter now in chapter seven, and so chapter seven begins by saying, "For this Melchizedek." Now he's going to talk about Melchizedek through this chapter, and then going into the the following chapters. Here's my outline for the chapter seven. Because he says, "Without controversy, the lesser, the better. The lesser is blessed by the greater." So in, in verses 1 through 10 tonight Jesus is the high priest first of all of a better blessing if you're taking notes and the blessing is from someone greater Secondly in chapter verses 11 through 19 Jesus is the high priest of a better hope and that hope is the hope of a perfect priesthood In other words the Levitical priesthood had its flaws and the Levitical priesthood was temporary, but we're looking in Jesus and through Melchizedek to a perfect priesthood. Jesus is the high priest of a better hope in that he changed and annulled forever the order of the Aaronic priesthood and the ministry of the law. So that'll be Greg next week. And then in chapters uh, 7 verses 20 through 28, you have Jesus, the high priest of a better covenant. Listen, here's the two things that we get at the end of this chapter. The covenant of God's oath in granting a new priesthood. God did something because of the Aaronic priesthood through Aaron. He was, by the way, Moses' older brother and the first high priest. Through the Aaronic priesthood, God had a pattern. God had a picture, but in the covenant that God gave to us. The promise and the oath. He is granting us a new priesthood. And then secondly. The covenant of God's promise. That he swore by an oath. Is in giving us then. A great high priest. That is superior to anyone. Now what's the, what's the, the, the uh, purpose of a high priest? He's mediating between us and God. He's also mediating God to us. So this is who we have in Jesus he is the better blessing the better hope and the better covenant so tonight the better blessing again verse 1 this melchizedek king of salem priest of the most high god who met abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom also abraham gave a tenth part of all first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of salem meeting king of peace verse 3 without father Without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So we're talking tonight, taking a closer look at Melchizedek. Now, in the New Testament, the only place Melchizedek is talked about is in the book of Hebrews. He's mentioned nine times, six times it's prefaced with this. According to the order of according to the order of, for six times in the book of Hebrews. That would be chapter 5, verse 10. That would be chapter 6, verse 20. And then in chapter 7, four times. The first time he pops up, and I think Melchizedek is kind of this priest that kind of pops up out of nowhere, uh, except the book of Hebrews is where he comes in the New Testament and then the Old Testament, which we'll look at in a moment. Look at chapter 5 and verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I begotten you. And that's been mentioned several times in Hebrews. As he also says, in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So he is a son and he is a priest. Again, chapter 5, verse 9. And having been perfected, Again, speaking of Jesus, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say. Then after the exhortation that we get in chapter 5, verse 11, through through chapter 6, verse 19, the writer comes back again, to Melchizedek look at verse 17 of chapter 6 thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it with an oath by an oath that by two immutable things and as we looked at that's a promise and an oath by two unchangeable things immutable things I think Greg your your translation has unchangeable in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Now remember, the high priest could go into that, the the earthly high priest could go into the behind the veil once a year on the day of atonement, and that was a pretty serious matter. When Jesus died on the cross, what happened to that veil? It was rent in two. So here we have this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, this promise, this oath, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us. Even Jesus, again, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, the reason he's he's hitting on this according to the order of Melchizedek is because there's a change now in God's plan, God's promises. It's no longer the Aaronic priesthood. It's no longer Aaron or all of his sons that came after him. Now it's a whole different order of the priesthood. And actually, it's a king and a priest. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. It's also a son. So again in chapter 7 now, three times according to the order of in verse 11, in verse 17, and in verse 21. So take that and and sort of stick that as as a central part of what is going on now as far as the writer of Hebrews explaining to us why this is so important. This curious fellow Melchizedek in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, in the Old Testament is mentioned two times. Now, the first, the second time, and turn there, please, is in Psalm 110. thought we'd go there and then go to Genesis because we're going to stay in Genesis for a little bit tonight. The second time is in Psalm 110. And again, it's seemingly out of nowhere that here comes Melchizedek again. This Psalm 110 is actually quoted by, in Hebrews also where it says in verse 1 of... Ch- Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, the writer of Hebrews quoted this in the first chapter, pointing to Christ again. And this psalm is a psalm of the messianic reign of the Messiah, the the prophetic of of the, the Messiah reigning. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power and the beauty of holiness. From the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. And here it is. You are a priest forever according to your Melchizedek. And it sort of just is there and then there it's gone again. So that's the second time. Now go, go back to uh, Genesis chapter 13. Again, this, this uh, priest, Melchizedek, is mentioned two times, the first in Psalm 110. And now as we get to Genesis 14, and by way of background, I think this is important leading up to what happened here. We read of Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, Abram's nephew at the time. They were both blessed by the Lord tremendously. So it wasn't that the blessing was on one and not the other. They were both being blessed by the Lord. The herdsmen of Abraham's of Abraham were quarreling with the herdsmen of Lot, and it was getting worse and worse. In other words, they were so blessed, they were having problems on who has what and where. So Abram said to Lot, his nephew, hey, this isn't right, we're brothers. So I said to him, you choose, Abram to Lot. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. And so in Genesis 13, 10, we read there, and Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plains of the Jordan of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. Now, this is prophetic. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he sticks that in there. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. This is again as Abraham and Lot, his nephew. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Now, I want you to note something here that I think is maybe just a little application. It's interesting that it says Lot lifted his eyes and saw, and then in verse 10 it says Lot chose for himself. I think that's a danger we need to be careful he lifts his eyes and he looks it over and then he chooses for himself. I have found often when I'm choosing for myself, it's not the best thing. I want the Lord to choose for me. And when we come to this whole area of our high priest, God has one high priest that he's chosen for us, each of us. And it's his choice and it is a fantastic choice. It is the only choice. So it says there, Lot lifted his eyes towards Sodom. And we, and really, I think we see The result of his choice. He lifts his eyes towards Sodom. He pitches his tents towards Sodom. Then in our passage we read he's dwelling in Sodom. And when judgment comes, God has to rescue him from Sodom. He was sitting in the gates. So notice what happens though with Abraham. In verse 14. And the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him. Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. So it's as though the Lord said, okay, he's chosen. Now let me show you what I've chosen for you. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see, I give it to you and to your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the term. Terebith trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar to the Lord. As the story continues in chapter 14, Abram has, has to come to Lot's rescue. Lot was taken captive when four kings battled five kings, two of which were the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. After Abraham armed his, train, his trained servants, the whole 318 of them strong... He led them against these four kings, rescued everything and everyone that had been taken by them. And upon returning now, okay, so we're coming up to this encounter that Abraham has with Melchizedek. Upon returning from rescuing all that was his, including his nephew Lot, this great personal and military victory, Abraham first meets and we are first introduced to this person named Melchizedek. Look at verse 18. Then Melchizedek uh, in chapter 14, king of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. Now note that because four times we're reading here God most high, God most high. Now Melchizedek is priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. So who is this person, Melchizedek? Please keep your finger in Genesis. Go back to Hebrews chapter 7. I just want to look at some basic facts that we, glee, we can pull from the Old Testament, from the account that we just read. First of all, in chapter 7, it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who, Abraham, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So here are some facts from Genesis that are mentioned here also in Hebrews. Melchizedek was, first of all, priest of God Most High. Secondly, Melchizedek met Abraham and brought out bread and wine. Third, Melchizedek, and this isn't so important. That's one of the main points he's making here. Melchizedek blessed Abraham, not the other way around. The fourth thing, Melchizedek received tithes from Abraham. That's in verse 2 and 6 and also Genesis 14, 20. And then we find Melchizedek's name is translated king of righteousness. And then six, Melchizedek's name is translated king of Salem, meaning king of peace. So just again, file, there's a list. Six things that we draw from just the facts that we read about Melchizedek. Now, in chapters uh, 7, verse 3 of Hebrews, it says six more things. Melchizedek was without father. Melchizedek was without mother. Melchizedek was without genealogy. Melchizedek had neither beginning of days nor end of life. Five, Melchizedek was made like the son of God. And six, Melchizedek remains a priest continually. So these things are not in the Genesis account. These aren't mentioned. Now, I believe what we have here is these are being deduced from the Old Testament account. These are the things that we don't find in the Old Testament. You with me? So he's saying here it is. We don't read read about his father. We don't read about his mother. We don't read about his genealogy. Now, the book of Genesis is a book of genealogies. So from Adam to Abraham, from Abraham and so forth, we read these genealogies all the way through. This man begot this son, and that son begot this son, and so forth in the book of Genesis. However, when you get to Melchizedek, there is nothing of a genealogy about him. So the writer of Hebrews, I believe, first of all, is saying, here's what's not there. In the book of Genesis. That's one one thing to look at as we look at this verse 3 of Hebrews. We're not told anything more about him than the things that we just said in in those first six things. We don't know his parents. We don't know where he was born. We don't know how he died. None of that is mentioned. So verse 4 of chapter Hebrews says this can now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoil. So we are to be considering something here is what he's pointing to. Who is not Melchizedek so much as who is Jesus? Consider how great this man was, but Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than who? The ironic priesthood. The high priest of Aaron, all of these things, Levitical priesthood, all those things. Jesus, Melchizedek was greater than Abraham and Jesus is greater than all of these things. He is the greater, the better blessing. We are told in Hebrews 3.1 to consider something there. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Now an apostle is one who was sent out to declare something, to establish something. Hebrews 12, we're going to be called there to consider him who endured such hostility against himself, lest you also become weary and discouraged in your soul. So, who, in fact, uh, Pastor Wayne, many of you know Pastor Wayne Taylor from Calvary Fellowship. His radio program was what? Consider Jesus. That's what we're telling here. Now we're to be considering this Melchizedek, but pointing to who Jesus is. So Jesus is the high priest of a better blessing The blessing of someone greater. Now, there was no one, I mean, there are a lot of great men in the Bible, but Abraham was, I believe, the greatest in that it was through him that God said he was going to bless everyone through Abraham. The greatest blessing God said was going to come to the world through who? Abraham. So, through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. Now, verse 5 of Hebrews, keeping your finger in Genesis, we're going to go back there in a moment. He said indeed those who are the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law that is from their brethren though they have come though they have come from the loins of Abraham so god gave to one of abraham's sons god gave through aaron the tribe of levi the privilege of the priesthood okay through uh, Moses' older brother. They received it and to re- were to receive tithes because of it. So the point here, I believe, at least in part, is that these Le- the Levites were also just Jews. But God gave something very special to them. They were their brethren. They were, they, as it says there, but he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises Excuse me, I'm missing. Who have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to law. That is from their brethren in verse uh, 5. So God gave a privileged place of the priesthood to one of the tribes. Not to Judah, not to Simeon, but to the Levites, the tribe of Levi. God chose them. He gave them a place where they were among their brethren. They were to receive from their brethren. But that place, even as it says there, no one takes his honor to himself, but he who is called by God as Aaron also was. He's already mentioned that in Hebrews. So this priesthood was something given by God, a privileged place of ministry among the people. And part of what they did was they were supported and given Receiving the blessing of the tithes in order that they might minister among the people in this privileged place of being a priesthood. So it says there, He whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better." So here's Abraham, the pinnacle of God's blessing to the world and yet he comes to Melchizedek and Melchizedek had a privileged place that was higher than Abraham there because Abraham gave him tithes. Abraham was blessed by Melchizedek. So the privilege that the priests had was to bless the people. They were not there to rule over the people. They were not there to sort of have their thumb out and on the people. They were there to bless the people, to be a blessing to them. And thus, as the priesthood was a place of great privilege, it was also a place of great responsibility. They were to be ministering to the people God's heart, God's care for them, God being the mediator between God and them. And so in Numbers chapter 6, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You see, when there were, when in the priesthood there was defilement, when the priesthoods, when, when those who were ministering The priestly things were not doing it according to the heart of God, offering strange fire. It was a serious matter before God. Because they were to be mediating between the people and God, and they were to be doing that with purity and holiness. Yes, they were to be receiving tithes from the people, but the greater responsibility was not in the people tithing. It was in the priesthood and them living their lives in such a way that God was pleased with them. They had a place of great responsibility before God. And the blessing that God gave to them came through the law. It was God commanded these things through the Aaronic priesthood and the tribe of Levi. So it says, verse 8, here... Mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. Even Levi who received tithes paid tithes through Abraham so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So greater than Abraham and the whole Levitical priesthood he is better. Melchizedek Melchizedek blessed Abraham who had the promises. Melchizedek received tithes from Abraham. The patriarch Abraham, listen. The patriarch Abraham acknowledged the greatness and superiority of Melchizedek. He acknowledged that. Something was happening here to him through the meeting of Melchizedek. Throughout Scripture... We read of this Melchizedek from beginning and as being greater than Abraham. He was greater than Abraham and the whole Levitical priesthood in that he lives. He lives. He was not mortal. The Levitical priest died mortal men. It was their destiny. Levi, it is your destiny. Josephus, listen. Josephus says there were 83 high priests from Aaron to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Not just one. 83 of them. They were all mortal. According to the Talmud, there were 18 high priests during the first temple and 300 plus from the, before the destruction of the se- second temple. So there were a lot of high priests that came because they all died. But this one lives, the priests that we're t- the high priest we're talking about. It is witness that he lives. The earthly priesthood would come through, the a- through Abraham, but before Levi was ever born, Melchizedek lived, in my opinion. It is witnessed that Melchizedek met Abraham. He received tithes from Abraham, and he blessed Abraham. The testimony, now listen, this is important because there are different views even among us who are teaching this. The testimony is from the silence of Scripture that we're reading in Hebrews. Mentioning nothing about his death. Saying something about him, but we then have to look at that and say, okay, what does this mean? He he was without beginning, without end. He was the son of God, like the son of God. So his blessings are not only better, they are superior. It's the idea that we're no longer looking to a man, no matter how great that man might be. We're no longer looking to a priest, no matter how fantastic that was that God gave that to Israel for the world. We are looking to Jesus, the Son of God, who is our great high priest, who mediates between us, whose responsibility he fulfilled completely and perfectly. He accomplished for us something that could never, ever have been accomplished apart from his coming, dying on a cross, rising from the dead, and mediating our salvation, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now, one view of Melchizedek, Jesus is the high priest of a better blessing in that he is in reality what Melchizedek is in allegory or type. Did you follow that? In other words, there are those that see Melchizedek as a type of Christ. And so from the silence of the Old Testament, the picture is there's no genealogy, no mother, no father. We don't know where he was born. We don't know where he died. We don't know none of these things. And so it's a picture of the eternal Son of God, who is now our great high priest. That's one view of this, without beginning, without end. A second view of Melchizedek is that Melchizedek is not a type, but rather a theophany, a Christophany in the Old Testament of the appearance of Jesus Christ. I hold to that view. The more I study this and, and read it, I hold to the fact that Jesus made an appearance to Abraham as in this, form, in this form of Melchizedek, a, a one greater than himself, and to him, Abraham bowed. He was blessed by Melchizedek. He gave tithes to Melchizedek, as did all those who were, weren't even born yet of Abraham's descendants and the Levitical priesthood. Now, when Joshua led the people into the promised land, before they ever fought one battle, turn to Joshua Again, we'll go to Genesis in a minute because I want to get back to that. But in, jo- in, Gen- in Joshua chapter 5, in verse 13, I'll, I'll read as your attorney if you would like to. Joshua 5, 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? Now this always strikes me as I've said before, because he didn't answer, well, I'm for you. He also didn't answer, well, I'm for your adversaries. What this man did was said, no. Are you for us or for adversaries? Well, no. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Before Joshua ever took any of the promised land, he meets, I believe, Jesus in another theophany in the Old Testament. As commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your feet, foot, for the place where you stand is holy. Who else did God say that to? He said it to Moses. I believe this is a the- another theophany in the Old Testament. We read in the Gospel of John another, something I also find interesting. Jesus was not exactly liked by Jewish leaders. Do we do we understand by the religious leaders of the day? He, they didn't like him. And what did they do? They accused him of being of doing the works of the devil. So they were they were attributing to his works the devil. Now that is blasphemy of the worst kind. But that's what they were doing. Accusing him that Satan was he was actually working for Satan. And so their hard hearts, their blinded eyes, they're leading the, the blind, leading the blind. The Jews answered and said, Do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And we got to be, this is serious matter here. Jesus said, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There's one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Some amazing claims by Jesus. The Jews said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. I'm in John 8, by the way, verse 53. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Good question. That's what we're talking about here. Who's greater than Abraham? Melchizedek. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself to be? Again, John 8, verse 54. Jesus said, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me and of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I don't know him, I will be a liar like you. I mean, Jesus is cutting no slack here, okay? You're liars. If I say that, I'm I'm not going to lie to you. This is what's going on. He said, but I do know him and keep his word. And then he said this, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. The Jews said, you are not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Notice. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, I would look at that and say, when did Abraham see Jesus? I think it's very possible he saw him in this theophany of Melchizedek. Jesus said, most assuredly, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus has always existed. He is the eternal son of God. So they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So Melchizedek, verse 1 again in Hebrews, is priest of the most high God. Melchizedek is first king of righteousness, then king of peace. There is no peace if there's no righteousness. Um, So here's where I want to close. I think I'm within my bounds a little bit here, half hour. Go back to Genesis, because I think this is the fantastic part of the whole story. Genesis 14. The better blessing... So then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. Verse 19, Genesis 14. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all, tithe of the spoils. Now, the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself, But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, notice, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. See, what I believe happened here was a revelation was given to Abraham through this encounter with Melchizedek. And he says three times, God most high, God most high, God most high. Now the king of Sodom, notice what happens here, and I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and I will take nothing. I will not take anything as yours, lest you say, I have made Abram rich. Accept only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, aner, Eshcol, and Mamre, Let them take their portion. The very next verse, what do we read? Chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? So Abram's back on the track of, hey, what God is saying to Abram is, you have me. You have met me, God most high. You understand now, I'm the one in the per- my relationship with you. You have me. I am your reward. You have God. And in meeting Melchizedek, I believe it was a revelation to Abram in meeting the son of God, The high priest who is our high priest, the great high priest, Abram was rewarded with the person of God himself. When we look at our great high priest, brothers and sisters, he is God himself. He met Abram. He came with bread and wine. And what did Jesus do when he came? He met us. God met us in the person of his son. He went through all the things. There's only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He mediated this new covenant, this better covenant. He died on a cross. He was buried and rose again the third day. He met with them over 500 witnesses and many others proving that his mediation was perfect. There's only one mediator. So we're considering this high priest. Melchizedek is a, could be a type, could be an allegory. I believe he is none other than Jesus, the son of God, having appeared to Abram and revealed to him What is God's reward through the priest, the ministry of the high priest? It's himself. It's having that relationship with him. Jesus is the high priest of a better blessing, a better hope. Greg will bring that next week, and a better covenant, which Lowell will bring to us in a couple weeks. If there's one thing that rises out of this whole thing, is that we have a mediator who is God Himself. It's so profound. You know, I want to close with this little um, poem that I think pictures the perfect work of God for us through Jesus Christ, our Savior and great high priest. It's called The Touch of the Master's Hand. It says, "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile." What am I bidding, good folks, he cried. Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two? Three dollars, and who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three. But no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as a caroling Angels sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, "What am I bid for the old violin?" And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, and who make it two? Two thousand, who make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone," said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. "We do not quite understand what change it's worth." Swiftly came the reply: "The touch." of the master's hand and many a man without life (laughs) sorry I didn't and many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd much like the old violin mess of pottage a glass of wine a game and he travels on he is going once and going twice he's going and almost gone but the master comes And the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of our great high priest's hand. He says the touch of the master's hand. Jesus is the better high priest, amen. Are you not thankful that God has ushered us in behind the veil through what he accomplished for us? Let me pray and we'll talk a little bit more. Father, thank you so much for this reality that strikes us afresh and, Lord, we would want it striking us afresh every day. When we consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, it's to you, Lord, that we bow. It's to you, Lord, that we sing our worship songs and pray because you are a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. You are at all points tempted us. We are yet without sin. You did not take this glory on yourself, but it was he who said to you, you are my son, today have you, I have begotten you. As you also said in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. You are a king and priest. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for this word. We pray you bless our, our dialogue now. We pray you bless our time in coming to that throne of grace tonight. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.